Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. If you are a fan of the show, please like and follow us on iTunes and Spotify and review us. It'll help spread the word. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared or email us at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. We are here to talk about Black Christmas from 1974. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. It's our um, holiday episode. This is our Christmas which, episode yeah, yes. for you folks. And we have a special guest, Andy. Hello. Um, he's been with us before in our lost episode, uh, Engineering Problems. Yeah. Attentive um, listeners would know that uh, we have allegedly had a drag me to hell lost episode uh when Just when floating, that does <laughs> come around. to come to life uh, you will hear andy then too it was a cursed yes, episode it was cursed and brought back to life i know yeah but before we dive into this i'm gonna ask what's new with you andy thanks for joining us thank you yes yes uh i think so we're not long after halloween the best I, holiday ever. It was a pretty good I mean, holiday. Like full two weeks after. Yeah, it's yeah. it's been a while, but I just found out the news this week. Um, my family, we like we do a lot of stuff as as much as we can with two little ones, but I always try to do a costume that's like, you know, topical, like something unique. So this year I got something kind of out of the like unusual, mm-hmm. and I did it in in front of my company in a Zoom call. So five hundred people, me in my costume, and knowing no one's gonna get this costume, but. I found out this week I won first prize for most unique costume for Raccoon Akuni from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Did you guys <gasps> see that? I haven't seen the movie nope. yet. Okay, it's not a huge spoiler, but it's okay. bizarre. Yeah. But I won, and I'll show you the pictures after okay. you've seen the movie. Did anybody yeah. on the Zoom know who you were? One person said... Oh, that's all it takes. All they... No. What? One person said, oh, is that from Caddyshack? No, yeah. you're not a gopher. That was it. I was like, it wasn't a gopher, it was a raccoon. Yeah. And I was like, no, you didn't know. But it's mm-hmm. not fair. The movie just came out. so yeah. But I'm proud yeah. that probably one person at the company did see it mm-hmm. and go, that's pretty good. Yeah, but actually, I tied for first place for a girl that did the, I think the Wendigo from... Uh, Scary the, Stories? No, M. Night Shyamalan. Remember the movie he did? The Village. Mm-hmm. The Wendigo. The thing <gasps> oh, in the, yeah, the creature. The, the Wendigo. Is that what that's called? I think that's what they called it. I know. It was like a, no, it was they the, thing, the, the thing in the forest. The yeah, the Wendigo was a um, story from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark about the wind, the Native American wind legend that will like swipe you out of the forest. Yeah, it's a very old Maybe legend. Maybe they did call it Wendigo in they Village. I have to look that up. It cloak and the skull, and I was like, oh, that's from the movie. But yeah. she just said it's Wendigo. She tied for first place. She actually deserved more, because mine you know, mine was a chef costume. With I don't know. It sounds to me time. like she was full of shit about the actual name of her character, and I think you should have won. I should have won. <laughs> Little did they know, I was trying to research how to get a raccoon to stay to your head, mm. and I actually did purchase a yarmulke and had some super And, and a real raccoon. And it did not work. I mm. still had to use oh. just a headband. 
and then I I stapled the, the yarmulkes are to, are not super secure. Yes, so I'm I'm sorry to all the Jewish listeners for I kind of defied appropriating that. Yeah, for yeah. <laughs> costume sorry. purposes. Yes, I'm sorry. No one saw yeah. it. It was just a base, but it did not. Yeah, work. yeah. It didn't work. Well, no, there's there's a, a weird thing about adults and obscure Halloween costumes yeah. that when my kids were littler, I I kind of had to learn the hard way that because I would encourage them to pursue these Halloween costumes that you know not their classmates weren't going to know what it was yeah very little satisfaction yeah and realizing that for an adult there's that deep satisfaction of most people don't know what you are but then the people that do it makes it worthwhile it's being like in on the inside joke yeah but for little kids that's not how it resonates and like but i the one that i do not regret is when my son was in like i think he was in fifth grade so my son's blonde haired blue eyed he had a good friend who had dark hair and braces and they were beavis and butthead yes and we just had the metallica and the ACDC t-shirts and they wore the you know proper color basketball shorts and I took I had them sit down on a bench in the schoolyard and pose where my son was turned profile because Beavis is always profile yeah. oh, and yes. uh, the picture I mean it's it's flawless so even That's though amazing. yeah the, the satisfaction that it robbed from them in their childhood of that yeah. one Halloween is worth it to me well, you know it's like it's back now like they have a new season yeah. of it so yeah. it's probably going to p- become part of more uh, people know about it you mm-hmm. know, and not that you can go back in time or anything, but <laughs> yeah, it's not going to change the trauma. No, those, those costumes like a signal to your tribe. It's like nobody's going to get it, but if you get it, you and I are kind we of can mm-hmm. be friends. We can be friends. Yeah. Well, that's we've how Katie and I like made a podcast because yeah. it's like we knew each other kind of. I mean, we're friends, right? And we had um, our acquaintances, book, our, yeah, like our strong book, our book club, right? <laughs> and we kept talking about like scary movies, and we found that we had like this big common thing like mm-hmm. interest and we kept talking about it talking about it talking about it and i was like let's make up we should do a podcast one day one day and then it happened she's like but... if i'm gonna have to talk to you this much we should be recording it <laughs> we should be recording <laughs> it let's so make it, some money off this yeah Come on. well no one's made any money <laughs> i mean let's, let's not silly. get crazier <laughs> you little silly there's no money <laughs> um yeah so moving on i mean yeah um, what's new with you meredith oh okay so i've been watching um Pistols from FX. It's on Hulu, streaming right now. It's about how the Sex Pistols came to be. And oh. it's directed by Danny Boyle. It's very well done. Um, and it's based off the book by uh, Stevie Jones, who did, he wrote about that time and how, like, that whole movement of punk, punk movement and stuff like that. So I'm watching it with our engineer and my boyfriend. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm talking about it. Cause, like, I was super into punk when I was like, like a child basically 15 16 to me i was like it was very romanticized and and now i can look back on it like oh man those kids were kind of messed up and all that but i'm like hey do you remember said nancy or do you remember this or that and victor's like i don't who's said nancy i'm like ah <laughs> oh my god get out <laughs> i know and then i showed him the trailer and he's like wait is that is that gary oldman i was like oh <gasps> Yes, it's Gary Oldman and Sid and Nancy. He was like one of his first roles, and he's like so dream, dreamy and um, punky True. and all that. But um, we've been watching it, and it's it's been pretty fun. And um, it's like something I'm kind of into. And I've been we were like listening to Sex Pistols today, and like the Ramones, and I'm like, listen to this, kids, anarchy, yeah. anarchy, <laughs> <laughs> defy your parents. Oh wait, That's right. I know, <laughs> I know. And the kids are like, oh, this is interesting, and. Um, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's fun to like expose your kids to like all new 
genres of music and uh, not it just can't all be Taylor Swift, okay? Like not that I listen to that. But... Has any stuck like the Ramones or anything that you feel uh, like transcends? I don't know, but like I'm noticing a lot of my child's friends wear shirts and stuff like Nirvana, like Sublime, like stuff that I used to like really, I mean, I still like it, but it's interesting that their musical tastes have gone back to what I listened to when I was their age. It's very strange. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's kind of trippy, I guess. Um, But anyway, I thought that was, it's kind of fun. But uh, what's new with you, Katie? Um, I have no idea. No idea. No. I mean, it's, it's an incredibly gorgeous day outside. I was thinking that on my drive down to your house and I was, um, you know, obviously looking at the ocean as I drive down the coast and yeah, it, Katie has to drive down the one mm-hmm. next to the, next to the ocean to get to my house. And okay. it, um, it looked like the opening of the Mamma Mia movie where it's like the, you know, the Greek ocean and then it's like all shimmery and then it shimmers into like a disco ball type thing. It was just, I mean, it was so spectacular. I was like, I'm going to get in an accident. It was really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really, really nice. Today. And I, I feel like this is the time that everybody talks about in San Francisco, like, oh, October, Indian summer, which is probably an offensive term that we shouldn't use anymore. And, um... <laughs> But I really feel like, judging by my Facebook memories, like November usually has like some really clutch weather around here, just kind of out of nowhere, because it's not it's not cold out right now. I mean, it's not warm, but it's nice and it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, we usually have like low 40s and then it gets really nice and warm and it's beautiful and sunny and... Yeah, you I mean, just want to be what's outside. What's not to like, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Everyone else in other states are like, we well, can go suck it yeah, yeah. <laughs> with your bullshit. <laughs> but then like juxtaposed against that is the fact that, you know, our um, first trimester ended last week and our report cards are due next Wednesday. And so I've been working on that this weekend, a lot of uh, scoring work and getting scores logged and um, dealing with the fallout of, you know, uh, final final tests being failed and also because I had mentioned before that um, you know I had to suddenly switch from the fifth grade class I started the year with to mm, a sixth yeah, grade class yeah, currently yeah. which with the system that my school uses I didn't realize the report cards actually change between fifth and sixth grade there's a whole other element oh um, okay. <laughs> yeah for the sixth grade report cards that with these fun oh wait yeah. is that when like the E's and S's turns to A, B, and C's is that no we start now? with that the R's switch to A, B, and C in like fourth what? How do you score yours? It's the ABC grade, letter grades? Letter grades at okay. our school begin in, I think, in fourth, third or fourth. Oh. Um, but in sixth, okay. it begins, there's a whole set of numerical comment codes that you use for the individual subjects to identify uh, areas of strength or areas in need of improvement. And so before, it was just kind of like, they need to get better, they get a check, or and if they are really good, they get a plus, but now yeah. it's like, no, they get a 23, because it is, you know, their their test scores are what are bringing their grades down. Okay. Um, and so it was kind of like, in addition to the other things that I've had to pivot on and, and learn this year with the shift in our classes, I was like, oh, good, one more. Cool. I'm a lifelong learner. Add this to all the stuff I have to deal with. But I feel like today, um, I... 
I, I was kind of daunted, and then today, I, with uh, some help from a partner teacher, I, like, figured out some of it and felt like, oh, it's really not, it's never as big a deal as it seems like it yeah. is before you get started. Yeah, yeah. Um, and once I was like, oh, no, it's it's just this and this, and I just need to do this, and um, so I felt pretty satisfied today because I had kind of tabled it, like, I'll figure it out next week because it doesn't have to be done until Wednesday, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in a good place now, so. That's good. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about a movie. Yeah, I did my report cards, too. We do one to three. One being, nope, very bad, <laughs> not great. Three, three being, um, like, breaches, like, grade level standard. Although, like, TK, traditional kindergarten, it's, like, more of a goal. Yeah. Right? Because it's, yeah. like, you're still going to kindergarten, regardless. Yeah, like, we're, we're not going to hold you back. Right. We're, it's, like, <laughs> we're trying. It's a very gray area. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, like, how do you hold a pencil? Do you respect each other's space? Do you use your words? <laughs> Using your words can speak audibly, and I can he- understand what you're saying. Yeah, like I have to grade that. So that's insane. Like, all these different things, and it's it's basically like how to be a person in school in yeah. public school. Yeah, um, and how to be in a classroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's crazy how fast these kids have grown from like wandering around when they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, you need to sit. You actually you don't doing? get to stand up that. and walk around when you want to. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're like, I'm like, I have a chime. They're like, it's time for it's time for a choice center. Pick your clip. I couldn't cho- choose pink center so I can be in the play kitchen area, or I'm gonna do <laughs> green center for art. Like they all know this, and I've like taught them like yeah. their little minds are well yeah uh, i feel like when they're little they, they are capable of learning so quickly yeah. and when they're little they're not averse to cooperating yeah because it's yeah. not like their ability to learn declines as they get older but yeah. their will starts interfering well cynicism also plays into it sometimes yeah, they get older maybe. too like maybe. And questioning and uh, right now when they're four they're like Shh, oh fine <laughs> i thought you were being okay. like cynical tk or system yeah like, they were whatever. like oh, what's later? the point what rush is, is gonna overtake us in as they get older that comes they're like play. the electoral college am i right <laughs> you're like what's even the point fifth grader just smoking a cigarette in front of the line like oh is this my number do you want me to say it? <laughs> whatever okay oh, so and so star of the week doesn't even matter okay who cares <laughs> have you achieved what you wanted in life <laughs> i'm <four>. miss shannon <laughs> i know i'm like no oh my gosh my hair clip or my hair band um so i am doing the synopsis this week and um, just hear those sleigh bells jingling. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it had a lot of a, a Christmas, just sort of like in the loom, looming, like hey, there's holiday happening, and then craziness. So uh, I'm gonna do the synopsis this week. Um, so let me get started. Um, so the opening, they you see like a nice. Is it like a Tudor house? Like a nice Tudor. I think that's. Probably accurate. Okay, I'm, I'm not a house. Right? I'm not a like student of architecture, sturdy. but it does look. I feel like they said the name of the. It's like a big old frat house. Yeah, sorority. I mean, sorority. House. Soror- sorry, sorority. 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 They're girls. It probably Hello. was a frat house when it came as well. Um, like they took it over. That's so toxic. Okay, <laughs> so it's a nice Tudor-looking house. That's what I said in my notes. And uh, Silent Night, Holy Night's playing, um, and trees with lights are on outside. It's a dark winter night, and you see a girl going in the front door, and there's some um, symbols outside to indicate that it's a sorority house. Uh, then you have the first person in perspective of someone who is heavy breathing. He's um, kind of peering inside the windows. We don't 
actually see him as the viewer as we're watching them the movie we see what he's looking at and he's looking inside and we're seeing a house full of like people who are like it's cheerful festivities it's warm there's like people like um in a holiday party kind of like hanging out and stuff exchanging gifts and, and drinking and enjoying each other's company and um we see from the pers- first person perspective someone climbing up the side of the house um Meanwhile, inside the party is continuing. There's drinking. People are, are um, excited about the, you know, holiday break and um, going to travel and celebrate Christmas and all that. And one girl comments. She comes inside and she says, oh, the front door is still open. She closes it and then chats with her friends, boyfriend and, and about um, the Santa suit he's going to be wearing the next day. Then she receives a call from overseas and she takes the call in the other room Um and uh, she's a bit separated from her friends. And then you see the first person perspective again, um, who you assume is somebody who's not, who doesn't belong in the house. Like, yeah. he shouldn't be there. Yeah. And he's watching, um, kind of watching, climbing down the uh, attic, going down the ladder and kind of watching Yeah, her. so he's gone up the outside of the building, into the attic, yeah. and then down from the attic into the upstairs floor. And he's yeah. looking down the stairs at her. So you know someone is in there who does not belong, yeah. and it's kind of weird. And so you see, you hear the other side of the girl's phone call. Her mother's kind of ditching her for Christmas. She, <laughs> Did you hear the best line in the movie in that moment? She calls her like a whore. She calls her a gold-plated whore. Yeah. <laughs> so that's also our, our wonderful Margot Kidder, by Sweet the way. Margot Kidder. <laughs> we love. Um, she calls her a whore, um, and I said in my notes, which is colorful. Uh, the phone <laughs> rings again, and um, one girl answers, and everyone kind of walks over to the phone to listen in. It's their... I have the feeling they've been dealing with this for a while. So yeah. calling and um, being weird uh, over the phone, moaning and grunting and being strange. What did they just, um, they used to just call it obscene callers. Obscene callers. Obscene callers. Yeah. And actually, I was listening to this part and it reminded me of like Regan from The Exorcist, where yeah. she's the weird, like animalistic, weird yeah. sounds. And, and variations in the voice mm-hmm. and the quality. Yeah. And it was super creepy. It gave me like, I was like, ugh, very like unsettling. Then at the end of the call, he says uh, he will kill. The mouthy girl who's Barb, who's like, I mean, you know, f- you know, stick your dick in a wall socket. Is what she I'll said. give you a charge. You know, like, yeah. Um, Margot Kidder, she's like drunk. She called her mom a whore and mm-hmm. she's, a, she's tired of taking that yeah. crap. So, And in that conversation, <laughs> I, I read that that's one of the first times that the C word was actually used in a widely oh. disseminated film. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. She's a trailblazer right there. Yeah. No, she didn't use it. The oh. caller did. The caller okay. did, okay. yeah. yeah. So she says, um, you know, she's like, whatever. And um, everyone is sort of like, you know, like, you shouldn't antagonize this guy. Like, what what are you doing? And she's like, whatever, you know, quit being like ridiculous. And well, she's like, is she's like a city girl or something? Yeah. She was like, oh, we get these all the time in the city. It's no and, big yeah, deal. <laughs> it's not a big deal. And um, then another girl, Claire, she she's like, whatever. She she kind of like very much clashes with with Barb. And because Barb is very like she seems to me like she like. Like Sephardi seems very like free, <laughs> whatever. Yes, drunk yeah. almost the whole movie. She's drunk the whole movie, just about. <laughs> and Claire is very reserved, not like that. I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, so she goes to her room to pack for her trip. Uh, she was not a fan of the way that Barb was kind of like provoking the caller, like I mentioned. Um, then we see dry cleaning plastic bags in her room. We see some. The camera is from um, coming from behind the 
plastic bags. And we know the killer is there, like, waiting to attack her. Um, Meanwhile, the rest of the group is uh, talking to their house mother, Mrs. Mack. They're exchanging gifts. And they're all, like, kind of making a lot of noise and and talking very, like, it's a gregarious, like, fun evening. And they're talking and stuff. And um, meanwhile, the other girls go into the other room and Mrs. Mack finds her booze in a book. Oh, my God. Mrs. Mack was amazing. <laughs> She's just finding little bottles of sherry. She or, has them hidden all over the place. She has them in the toilet tank later. Yeah, like, she's like got a little sherry apple seed of whiskey. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> sherry, whiskey. <laughs> they give her a horrible house coat and she's like, well, I'll drink to that. Thank you for, for that garbage. <laughs> They're like, put it on, put is it she on. A frat? Like, is she like the owner? The, they, they call them the house mother. House, house mother. mother. So like, how, does she the, like a RN? Like, how, yeah, her, 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 no, her job is so just to, there to preserve their virtue. Yeah. And she was clearly not up to the task. Not not really uh, doing her job. Anyway, so the girls, um, she's drinking and chucking. The girls are in their other room. Meanwhile, the killer um, has attacked Claire and strangled her with the plastic um, bag from the dry cleaning. And then he returns to the attic and we see the attic door close very quietly. He takes her to the attic. Yes, he takes her to the attic with him. So it's like... Where's Claire? Like, they don't really know anymore. So, Mrs. Mack, meanwhile, is in her new house coach that was gifted to her, chugging more booze from the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Which is super cool. I said in my notes. Um, So then Jess, who was one of the other sorority sisters, she has an intense phone conversation, um, you know, with a gentleman earlier about, like, like, I have to see you. And he's like, I'm in the conservatory. I've been here for days. I'm so important. I'm so, so very important. Blah, 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 Way too important for you. Yeah. And she's like, well, I have to tell you something, but, like, not right now. And he's like, quit playing games with me. And she's like, okay, <laughs> bye. And whatever. <laughs> she goes to check on Claire and receives no answer. We, as the viewers, know what happened to her. Um, so then we see Claire, who is in the attic now with the dry cleaning bag over her head. And her eyes are, like, wide and lifeless, and she's in a rocking chair. And we hear the creepy voice just kind of singing to the backgr- in the background. Yeah. Um, and you can also kind of see outside. It's, like, snowing. There's lights out. It's really picturesque. weird. Yeah, it's weird. The, the juxtaposition between yeah. the beauty outside. Yes. And the um, dead girl with and the plastic girl. over her face. Yeah. So the following day, you see a bell tolling. Um, a man is standing at a clock. He's waiting for something. He's like an older guy and uh, looks like someone's dad. Uh, he appears worried, and then he's struck by a snowball. The dad asks for directions with um, one of the sorority or no fraternity guys. He's, mm-hmm. like, he's like, "Hey, can you help me? I'm I'm supposed to meet my daughter here. She's not here yet. Uh, do you know her?" So um, he's like, "Yeah, you know, just go down the street and give some directions." So meanwhile, at the frat house. This jerky boyfriend is cursing up a storm in his Santa outfit. <laughs> this is Santa suit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, kids are sitting on his lap, and he's just really upset that Phil, who is his girlfriend, is going to go skiing with Barb, um, who was ditched by her mom. You know, mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah. whatever, I can go do my own thing. You know, like, do and Barb's over there drunk, like, what are you complaining about? <laughs> yeah, right. She's like, whatever. <laughs> um, so he's he's just, like, really mad because he wanted to hang out with her and whatever. So... Mr. Harrison, who's Claire's dad, he um, he's upset. He goes to the sorority house asking. He talks to Mrs. Mack. There's uh, provocative posters around. He's all like, oh, oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> Cheeky bugger. Oh, my goodness. And they're provocative. And Mrs. Mack is like, 
you know, what do you, what do you want me to do about it, kind of. Um, so she asks for a ride to the front house, and she also hears her cat, Claude, like, meowing, and she's like, well, where are you, Claude? Claude, you know, Claude, Claude gets a lot of airtime. Claude is a pretty time. clutch character yeah, in this yeah. film. Big deal. Yeah, Yeah, so she can't find him. But Isn't then, there a point where she calls Claude a little prick, right? As yes. Claire's yeah. dad like pops up next She's to like, her. She's like, "You little prick!" Oh hey, <laughs> oh, hey, hello. hey, Mr. Harrison. Sorry. Um, so then they leave and then um, go to the front house, and and he's hoping to find his daughter, but you know we all we all know where she is. Yeah, we know he's he's not going to yes. find her, but uh, this mm-hmm. drags on. Yeah, and then also the camera once again shows Claire in the attic with the plastic on her head as they're walking out to the the car together. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, I said in the rehearsal place, I don't know what it was called, conservatory, whatever, <laughs> Jess tells her boyfriend she's pregnant. She says, I want to have an abortion. And he's super upset. He's like, you can't do that. I'm the man. I don't know what he's... He doesn't exactly say that. He says some that. really problematic stuff <laughs> yeah. that I'm like, oof. He doesn't exactly say that, but that's kind of like the impression I got from it. He yeah. definitely like Thanks. loses his composure. Like yeah. He seems like he's together and then he just starts breaking down. Yeah. So... She, but she's like, I know what I want. I'm going to leave. And he's like, I'm, let me come over and we'll talk about it later tonight. Once I've done being important. Super. At, yeah. uh, at my piano yeah. or whatever. Um, so then at the frat house, Claire's dad is asking, or he he's seen talking to somebody on the phone. We don't know who it is, but we could assume maybe it's like her mom. I don't really know. And we see Barb feeding children booze. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. <laughs> that little kid. She's like, he's... he's you, want, you want another You want another sip? Here's a little sip She's the fun bar. aunt. Everybody oh loves the fun aunt. One of the things that I read was that she actually insisted on drinking actual alcohol during the filming. Yes. Oh. Margot Kidder did. And it's like, granted, you don't actually see her drinking that much during the film, so it's not like she was actually wasted during filming, yeah. but any scene where she's actually drinking, she, she is. She was, she insisted on drinking actual alcohol. Not a girl. She's a very committed. Yeah, she's a method actor. <laughs> very method. <laughs> no, method, very method. <laughs> so then um, at the sorority house, there's yet again another weird call, and Jess has arrived back from her like confrontation with her boyfriend. She answers the phone call. Um, then Mr. Harrison and a few sorority girls go to the police to report Claire missing. Um, they're worried, but the police kind of figure, like, hey, Claire's, you know, she's shacked up somewhere. She'll come out. She'll turn up. It's not a big deal. Um, Mr. Harrison is sort of like, she's not really like that. Like, okay, but, what, you know, what are you going to do? Well, um, all that, like, there's, that's some such a strong theme in this is is that whole like it's so it's kind of cliche almost now of the like not believing the victim not believing the parents who say our child has disappeared and they're like oh she's a runaway and it's like no she's not a runaway she's been victimized in some way but we're not going to do anything until it's too late um you see like a lot of those elements with the claire sort where he's like no she's she's not she didn't just run off with a boyfriend she's like there's something wrong here definitely yeah so I mean, we all know something was very wrong. Yeah, but as we viewer. know. <laughs> so, um, so Jess goes to talk to Claire's boyfriend, who's his name is Chris, and he's not seen her since that party from the previous night. He was there in his big fur coat. <laughs> um, Fantastic fur coat, beautiful. <laughs> so Chris goes to the police station and he demands that his friend help. Basically, he's like, "Hey, you guys are dumbasses. Like, something really is really wrong. Yeah, you know, Claire's not shacked up somewhere. I know her." You guys need to get on this. This is like a big deal. And yeah. finally, they start to take it seriously. So, um, when John Saxon <coughs> steps in, yeah. Um, just finally, I guess somebody that they would actually listen to, maybe. I don't know. 
the macho man. Yeah. Well, that's because the first um, uh, police officer, whoever that they're talking to, is like super dismissive, like that. The that doofusy very, guy. Yeah, yeah, the one that she plays the fellatio prank on. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm like, I wonder how well known that was, if that was yeah. going over anyone's head. <laughs> but then it isn't, so John Saxon's character like comes mm. in, and I don't know, he's he's like a... A detective or some detective. some higher rank or whatever. So when he comes in, he's the first one to start listening to them. Yeah, yeah. So then um, later that evening at the sorting house with Mr. Harrison joining for dinner, Barb is like super sloppy. She tells everyone, you know, you're blaming me for Claire going missing. And she's like super upset. Then she decides to go um, sleep it off. Basically, she's like, you're all blaming me because she was like kind of a jerk to Claire. And then Claire was like, I'm just going to go by myself. And and then she went missing. So mm-hmm. she felt like them, you know, kind of eyeing her was, you know, I don't know. Sus. Rude. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> she's she was mad and talking she about. She was really liquored up right there when yeah, she, she was, was like, I need to put myself to bed. I'm like, oh, yeah. You're yeah. Right. You've been, about, you've like, been talking about sex. sexy turtles. Yeah. Yes. Know, yes. Weird. <laughs> not that it's not fun, but, you know. I know. I'll listen to Margaret Kitter. Kitter yell about random things that's fine yes. so uh, i also forgot to mention that jess's boyfriend's really messed up his audition and he smashes the piano like a real drama queen is what well, i said clearly he's upset because she is going to abort his child and sure. how dare how you? dare she how dare exert you? authority over her own body? his child whatever okay. i don't know why i was just like that's not even his piano that's the that's the school's <laughs> piano. You're in a concert hall and you just wrecked their piano. The piano didn't do it. You're that. like, I think they're gonna send you a bill for that. That's I don't know. Fine. That's why I feel like I'm old and boring. I'm like the first thing I thought of. Yeah, you're like, like liability. What about the other students, guys? <laughs> now they can't play. That piano. is so selfish. He was so terrible. He was bad. Yeah. He was He's good. like bing bong bing ding dong ding dong. <laughs> yes. like, I feel like they could have done it subtly. They did not. No. It was really just like just slapping hands on there, like, bad. oh, I have sausage hands. Here we go. <laughs> and you're like, how did you end up here in the first place? Like, what happened? Did you manilly vanilla? Manilly vanilla. way into pianist school. There's a little monkey inside a raccoon. That's right. There's a little raccoon in there. Blame it on the rain. Very very. Very, very bad. So, anyway, he's all upset. So, after dinner, several of the sorority sisters, including Mr. Harrison, they go to look for a missing girl. Um, while they're at the police station, there's also a woman who was um, reporting her 13-year-old missing. She's like, she went missing. And they're like, well, is it that weird that she's, like, been gone for a few hours, you know, after... And they're like, like, yes! And then she's like, yes, it is! They have a script, though. Give them Isn't credit. The police are yeah. skeptical of every report. They're yeah. every- <laughs> But she's like, they're like, oh, she's it is female. Weird. Has it been yeah. 48 hours? Yeah. She's, yeah. Mm. Well, she's like, she's supposed is to she be menstruating. Home like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are there bears around? Yeah. Well, obviously. <laughs> uh, but the mom is like, no, she's supposed to be home around like noon. Like this is, it's and been it's like, like it's 6 been like PM nine or 7 hours PM. Like, It's crazy. It's a long time. So they go to look for her um, in the park because she didn't make it home. Um, and then they're also kind of looking for Claire too. Like, Somebody, they've both gone missing. Something is going on. Something weird. Did Jess and Phil both go and join the search party? Um, or just Jess? They all go. They all go? Jess, Phil, and... Barb is I, Barb all passed out. Sleep. She went yeah. to in drunken stupor. Um, <laughs> so, but then Mrs. Mack is alone in the sorority house with the passed out Barb. And um, 
a very dead Claire in the attic. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's on her way to visit her sister when Phil is on her way out. They're like, she's like, you know, if you don't see me when you come back, it's because I'm gone. I'm going to my sister's house, but like, have a great yeah. holiday, whatever. And then she drinks a, a jug, a chug of uh, <laughs> sherry, a, a sherry, <laughs> and then tries to find her cat. I know, she tries to find her cat. So, but she's on her way out, and then she starts to hear her cat Claude, who's like, once again, you know, meowing, meowing. He's stuck in the attic. We know this as a viewer. And she's like, Claude, Claude, where are you? And then she realizes where he's coming from and um, sees the attic door. She starts, it's open. And then she starts to climb in. Um, then the taki- taxi, like, honks for her, like, you know, to indicate that he's there. And she's climbing up and she's like, I'll be right there. Because like, he's going to hear her. Right. Um, so he, her head comes out of the attic door into the attic and we see the killer with a huge metal hook on a rope waiting to swing at her like waiting for her to like emerge like a gopher kind of (laughs) sure it's like whack-a-mole whack-a-mole she finally sees a dead claire and then the killer lets the huge hook swing at her and it kills her um so that's not Fun. That's the end of Mrs. Which was Mac. Very Sorry, confusing Mac. to me because I'm like everything in the attic, like a rocking chair in the attic and the the sheets, the plastic, yeah. were like these are found objects in an attic. I get that. Why is there an elaborate pulley system and meat hook? I was like, it very confused me. And I'm like, how did he do it's like a Rube Goldberg thing? But I'm like, yeah. how did he pull this off? And mm-hmm. why would that be up there? Like I have my pulley in my attic, but that's just. Me. <laughs> but I mean, who well, hasn't... that's a, another weird thing that like came up with the with the trivia is that the whatever whoever they rented or or borrowed or bought that that hook system from yeah. just basically showed up to the set, dropped it off, and left. And so they were at their own devices to rig it and like, test it and try like, <laughs> swing it in her hood. We don't know. Sp- okay, who wants to stand in for the test run? <laughs> I know. Um. Yeah, so that's not great. So, bye bye, uh, Mrs. Mack. <laughs> you were fun. Um, the cat, the taxi driver, knocks on the door. He's like, "Hey, I'm here." Obviously, Mrs. Mack has died. Um, Claude and, is still okay. He, for Claude is fine. Listeners, Claude I don't think he even gets screen time. You hear him called, but he never arrives. He's yeah. too smart. Well, you see him like licking the plastic. Yeah, he shows. Oh, he shows up. He shows up, up yeah. which is sad. Kind of yeah. sad. So then um, he leaves. So then we once again get a per- first person perspective of the killer who's like screaming. He's like raging out and smashing things in the attic and, and I'm squealing and being weird. So <laughs> then at the park, you see volunteers who are looking for the missing 13 year old um, girl and and they um, find her, unfortunately, and she has been killed. Um but just Jess had left right before that discovery to go home um, because her boyfriend was supposed to come over and she was going to talk it out with him about yeah. their trying to explain to him to... the right to choose. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so she arrives home to the ringing phone and another weird call. She hangs up the phone and calls out for Mrs. Mac, who is super dead. Um, and then Jess is on the phone reporting. And she calls the police and she's like, "Hey, there's someone calling. He keeps calling. It's it's like weird." And something's going on, and then we see someone approaching her from behind, and it was turns out to be Peter, her, I said, failure boyfriend. <laughs> Fresh off of his yeah. piano smashing. And, uh, yes. He lumbers in, and he's all upset, and she's able to give the police more information about the calls, and um, the policeman at the front desk dismisses it once again, saying that a girl was murdered at the park. He's, he's like, we have bigger fish to, fish to fry, basically. Um, Mr. Harrison and friends are at the station, and they overhear the officer at the front desk. And then they're left kind of wondering, like, what's going on? 
Then at the sorority house, Peter and Jess are chatting and trying to talk things out. Peter asks, is like, just marry me. And she's like, no, I'm fine. I don't want to do that. I love when it gets to the point where she was like, I actually don't want to. I don't want well, to marry like, you. She starts off soft and then at the end, and like, yeah, she's like, like I don't want, want to be with you. you. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't want to have a baby right now. And also, I don't want to be with you. Like, yeah. So she's like, no, like, you're thanks. a really nice guy. Yeah, and I <laughs> love the turtleneck. Like, the so turtleneck boring. is great. He's but... the most boring yeah. person ever. I like how you smash pianos, but <laughs> I don't want to spend my life you have with that you. going for you. And give up my future to raise your baby. Oh, so, um, she, but she's like, no, thanks. Just because your plans have changed to like leave the conservatory, like doesn't mean she has to give up on her own dreams. So then the police decide to look into finally, fucking finally. So I took it to the obscene phone calls. Back at the sorority house, Peter's calling Jess a selfish bitch. Of course. And uh, he tells her if she gets an abortion, she will be very sorry. And then he leaves with Jess is like, you need to leave. And he's like, fine. I'm, I was leaving anyway. That's what he was, he was like. <laughs> I'm not going because you told me to go. I'm, I was already leaving. I, was, I have somewhere else to be. <laughs> I have more pianos to smash. Goodbye. <laughs> so Jess waits by the phone for the phone calls. Um, we see the first person perspective of someone climbing down the ladder. Barb wakes up. She, Barb wakes up with an asthma attack. She thinks she had a dream. Someone came into her room. And then carolers randomly show up and they distract Jess. Back inside Barb's room, um, he grabs like a weird crystal knife unicorn. thing. No, it's unicorn? a unicorn. Yes. Unicorn, unicorn. Crystal yeah. unicorn. And then he stabs and kills Barb. Then the phone. Pho- it's a very fabulous stabbing. There's a lot of nice camera she, work. She like a lot of nice like shiny things in her house. Yes. Room. Yeah. Like a crystal. Like a precious set. things kind of thing. It was a whole collection. Well, Swarovski, whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so many crystals and other bound books. Um, so then the far- phone starts ringing again. Uh, and Jess goes to answer it. It's more obscene calls, but the police are now listening, listening into the calls. Oh, yeah, because they do this whole thing of tapping, yeah. yes. tapping the phone. So it's mm-hmm. ringing at the police station and at the phone company, and they need her to keep him on the line so that they can trace the origin of the call. They're not very, I mean, she's not good at that. They're like, keep her on the line. She's like, sitting there like, eh. I mean, didn't say anything. Well, I love that the police were very critical of her of like, you know, you failed to keep him on the line. Yeah. You yes. need to work a little harder. I'm like, but she, she didn't, didn't say anything. Talk. You're like she... kind of how you're failing as being a mother yes. by oh. choosing to end your pregnancy. <laughs> what did you want her to do? Ooh, tell me more. Yeah. Billy. Like, like oh, something. you dirty bastard. She didn't say like, anything. Elaborate, please. She and said nothing, love, though. As the tech the guy, time. they uh. keep showing footage of the, the police officer apparently in whatever the phone banks are. Yeah. Running frantically, kind of looking for something. Yeah, like his hair's on fire like, like looking for like a little pulling this jack out and plugging it into that hole lots of footage of him like oh, oh I, I have a very busy important job <laughs> isn't that how they did it back then? that's how phones times. work yeah Olden that's times. still how phones work i have no idea. every time you send a text that's what's someone's happening someone's running through a yeah, phone bank and looking <laughs> a for a bird takes the message <laughs> to somebody on their phone okay so let's see uh okay so, as I said, the fo- police are still listening. But, unfortunately, they can't trace it. It was too uh, cut short. He hung up. Because so. she failed. Um, yeah. She failed. So, now that Phil is awake, is Phil is awake, and she's discussing things with Jess, and then there's another call. But it's Peter this time. And the te- detective asks more questions about Peter. And then he asks for the dean's number to get more information on Peter's background. And he's like, aha, a man. He's probably... 
a murderer. It's always the boyfriend. How many scales does he know? Yeah, he's uh, he's trouble. So then the search party arrives at the sorority house and tells them, like, lock up the house. Phil's going to go check on Barb and the door slams behind her. And it's obvious that Phil is in big trouble now and she's in danger. The phone rings again and now they're tracing the call. And the calls are being traced, um, and that guy is running around, like Annie mentioned, like like a chicken with his head cut off. Very determined and, now. Um, He's not going to fail again. Yeah, so they, they are <laughs> being traced, this time. Right. and the call is going is coming from inside the sorority house! Oh my da, god! Da, da. So the de- detective trying to get through to, uh, to the squad car that was put outside the sorority house, and they can't reach him. And then they call Jess, uh, or they call, and then Jess picks up, and they don't want to scare her. It's a stupid dum-dum. They're like, hey, so guy, oh, no, no big deal. The, the dum-dum cop um, is told very explicitly, yeah. do, do not, not tell her. Yeah. It's coming from then. <laughs> this is the, the same cop who didn't know what fellatio was. That's right. Poor yeah, he's guy. He's like, hey, you should, you should probably go. Hey, <laughs> yes. So, like, go outside yeah. and leave. Yeah. Don't ask questions. No reason. Don't ask questions. No questions, Rosemary. I mean, um, <laughs> Jess. And she's like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, listen, they're coming from inside the house. Yeah, he immediately jumps to the, <laughs> okay, forget everything I was told. Forget it. Get out of the house. So he tells her that, and then she starts yelling for a friend. She's like, Phil, Barb, oh my gosh, what the fuck? She has like a fire poker. Um, you know, she, she goes upstairs. She goes upstairs instead of outside. She goes into Barb's room, and both Phil and Barb are both dead. And then we see the killer's eyes are peering, peering at her and whispering some crazy shit to her. Some yeah. crazy shit. She's like, ah, what was Billy, that? Agnes, Billy and a baby. Agnes? Yeah. Like, weird stuff with, like, white eye eyes at her. Um, then she slams him with the door and runs away. She manages to lock the door in the basement, and he tries to get in, thrashing wildly at the door until he calmly, so like, he calmly stops, and then he leaves. Then we see a shadow walk over to the window, and it's Peter, and he calls out to her, and then he breaks the window, and he enters the basement, and he approaches her with a look of concern. Then we hear her screaming, and then um, the police arrive finally, and they are able to get in, and they see that she's knocked out, and Peter has been killed. Then a bunch of people are hovering over Jess, including the police, and she's knocked out and in the bed for some reason, inside that same sorority house. Because they were like, you know what? You know what she needs? We need to inject her with some shit right now. Just go to sleep. sleep. She's hysterical. She go to sleep. Yeah. Then Mr. Harrison um, has passes it out, passes out. He's in his, her room and he's like, oh my, the, va- the vapors. And then he, <laughs> <laughs> he passes out. And then everyone's like, get him out of here. And, you know, let's go find a doctor. And, like, it's like a lot of like, rubble, rubble, hubbub. <laughs> rubble, 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 rubble. All men. There's, All men. There's a, even I was like, this is a bunch of men with a passed out lady who's a victim yeah. in a bed in the house. Yes. And They're just, all like holding their hands up to the sides of their faces. Like, yes. like Will Ferrell and Talladega <laughs> yes. Nights. Like, just, I don't know what to do with my really hands. Don't know. I don't <laughs> and there's audio piping in from you're hearing snippets of the conversation of all the cops. While the camera's just looking at her. Yeah. yeah. And you see her. She's like calmly sleeping in her room. And um, then everyone clears out. They're like, you know, let's give her some time to rest. We need to get Mr. Harrison, who got the vapors out of here. <laughs> and then um, then Jess is left asleep in her bed. The camera pans down the hallway. And then we hear giggling in the attic. <gasps> and the phone begins to ring again. And it's night. It's like there's still the holiday lights. It's like um, there. It's obviously... She's alone, with the exception of one lone officer standing outside the front of the house. 
And that is Black Christmas. So, Andy, did you think it was scary? No, but (gasps) how dare you? If I had seen this in 1974 (laughs) in a theater, uh, I think it would have been scary, but it also would have been fun. I feel like this movie was kind of balancing both. So it would have been fun, but there were too many parts in this movie that just like the logistics stuff. I just could not. My brain took me out and I'm like, nope, nope. Like the the logistic of him, like carrying a body of Bonnie's up to the or what? Not even that. I'll tell you, my number attic. one was this phone call. Which, by the way, the guy who does the audio for the phone call, it, it's like it's like The Exorcist. It's extremely well done. Very creepy. High. It's the same voice going high, going low. Billy Agnes. And it sounds like animal sounds. Mm-hmm. It's great. If the call is coming inside the house, they keep showing the house. It's not very big. Uh, if someone was screaming, Billy. Agnes, I'm like, you would hear it. Like, I can hear my kids having conversations on the other side of my house. I'm like, you would hear someone. But it's a Tudor mansion. Yeah, I I just. But you're right, it's not very big. Yeah, I needed more explanation to go, how would you not know? If this was a huge house, if this was like like Knives Out, like has a huge mansion that has like eight bedrooms and it's like, I was like, I would totally get the. No, but it was pretty tight. It's this tight little tiny house. I'm like, and in the attic, they keep showing people walk right past it. I'm like, He's just up there in the attic. You would hear a crazy person. And he's not a thoughtful, methodical killer, right? This is yeah. a clearly unhinged, screaming. I'm like, he, you would hear. So my brain could not take me out of that. So the unreality of it. Can Unre- I need disbelief. a little bit. I can suspend belief very easily. But this movie, I was like, I can't. I can't do that. But I was very excited when the calls coming in from inside the house. I was like, maybe this is the first movie that ever did it. I don't know. I was like, but I had not heard of this movie and I like horror movies. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this one slipped past me. And mm-hmm. I still thought it was very interesting and well done overall, but not not very scary. Sorry. Not very scary. It didn't mm-hmm. scare me, no. But what about the story? Was it compelling at all? It was, but they just it sort of fell apart. It, 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 I sort of lost the thread where I'm like, it's just not pulling me. It doesn't feel like I can follow it. But, yeah. Um, it just didn't, yeah, it didn't quite grab me. I like parts of it. I like Margot Kidder. Like, seeing her, I'm like, that's How could cool. you not? <laughs> Olivia Hussey, I was just like, I know, she looks familiar. The yeah. actors, like, it's, it's kind of good, but it never really, yeah, grabbed me. I love the unicorn stabbing. That was, mm-hmm. I thought that was very art, artsy. Yeah, it's very Dario. like Dario Argento, like very like yes, ooh, like sparkles. there's a lot of cool angles, <laughs> and I was like I could see it coming. I was sort of excited when it was happening, yeah. and like kind of like yay, she's gonna get stabbed in a fun way. So, but in not a scary. Fun way. Yes, very. Yeah, fun. yeah. Katie, did you find it scary? Okay, so when I started watching it, um, I was super bored, and. Um, I was not uh, hooked at all initially to where I was like, I'm going to like get some stuff done while this is on because I'm like not captivated. I would say about halfway through, um, it started to uh, engross me a little bit more. And by the end, I felt like it was really, really um, well executed Mm-hmm. Um, and was, I, I mean, scary. I don't know. It's hard to say because, I, because I was so detached from it for the first portion of the movie. I don't know if I would call it scary, but there were, there were a couple of elements throughout it that I, I recognized as like, oh, this is, this is on point. Mm-hmm. Um, the phone calls, the obscene phone calls mm-hmm. were one element for that. 
um, that were really upsetting. And that was something where um, evidently when they were filming those, um, the audio that you hear in the film of what's being said on the phone call is not what the actresses were hearing at the time. Mm -hmm. They had the director was, you know, saying some stuff on the phone and they were supposed to be reacting or whatever. But they were actually, and this is kind of precious, um, concerned about, they didn't want, um, they wanted the girls to be having kind of a neutral response to -hmm. what was coming from the phone call and Mm -hmm. but they still they wanted the phone call content to be really really upsetting and so the response that they filmed was based on audio that the girls were hearing that was not that severe and then later they dubbed in the really really problematic things that billy was actually saying and it was like (laughs) like someone possessed it was i want to hear the original audio because yeah he was like oh hey eh, watch eh? out Watch out, I'm coming to your house. You saying, better look out. Yeah, better, it's going to be cold. You hosers. <laughs> Take off. I'm going to look up your skirt. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, and so, then we could go. But I think that actually, I said, that was the scariest part of the movie. Again, The it, phone calls. Me, just, yeah, the phone calls were so yeah. at another level of almost mm-hmm. like the rest of the movie that it was really disturbing mm-hmm. because it was so chaotic and un- like, you can hear the words, yeah. and you're like, I can't even figure out, like, yeah. what this guy's problem was. You couldn't reverse engineer and go, I think he had a problem with his mother. I'm like, there's a baby involved. There's a lady named Agnes. There's, like, animal noises. I, yeah. I don't there's know like what's happening. It sounds like personalities. multiple people yeah. talking. Yeah. But it's so, one person, yeah. and you're like, oh. And then I would say that the other part to me that was re- that was legitimately scary was it kind of begins with the moment when Jess actually goes um, after she's been told to leave the house. She decides to go upstairs anyway. She looks into Barb's room. She sees Barb um, Barb's body and Phil. Phil, they're like, but it shouldn't be Phil because Phil other. lives. No, she doesn't. She, well, she's in the sequel. Um, oh. So no, Mac is it's the no is it no. it's not Mrs Mac Mrs Mac oh, is still upstairs still there. so maybe yeah. that maybe that's a continuity maybe issue like knocked, yeah she's um, dead in the movie or maybe yeah. she was like knocked out with her eyes wide open maybe. looking dead I don't know <laughs> but when so when Jess sees that room and then it's like the door is open and then the eye that she sees is through the gap between the wall and the door like where mm-hmm. the hinge is yeah and that like close shot in with the eyeball and he's whispering to her in that same upsetting voice and And all that shit like that moment was legitimately scary and that began a sequence of a really really scary final girl pursuit Mm -hmm. of him chasing her through the house her running away she's got the fire poker she's fighting back but it's like that he grabs her by the hair which is like you know kind of a trigger for you know women being like oh shit like the hair thing yeah Um, yeah so that sequence of of her first seeing his eye through that crack and responding and then the chase that follows that scene was really scary definitely did then, you think yeah. that was the boyfriend in that room at that time? No. Did you think it was Peter? No. I didn't. Okay. No. And then there, there's a lot of elements that, you know, came up when I was looking into the trivia and everything where it's like, Peter has blue eyes. 
the eye oh. through the gap was brown. Oh. So, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is that they say, well, Jess should have known at that point that Peter wasn't the killer because she should know what oh. eye color her baby daddy's eyes have. Baby, baby daddy. She's already yeah. X amount of her life. But, like, you know, know she was also in a panic, like, yeah. you know, in a life or death situation. So maybe it wouldn't have registered. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I don't think because, you know, he's he's in the attic. He's out of the attic. He's all over. The, like, I never thought that he was the same guy as another character in the movie. Okay. I'm like never thought that it was going to be like, oh, it turns out it was Mrs. Mack all along. Like, you know? <laughs> Mr. Harrison. No, I, I kind of wanted that. Yeah. She didn't get uh-huh. enough booze when she ran out of Sherry. She's a psycho and murders everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. But, Harrison. He got the vapors from being too tired from. I mean, all the looking for his daughter everybody. and all her, her dirty, dirty posters in her bedroom. Ugh. He couldn't handle that was it. The all. first defense having some dirty hippies on the wall. <laughs> yeah, but no, I thought that there those those parts. Um, I mean, and obviously the phone calls were you know throughout the film, um, and probably the, one of the most upsetting ones was the one at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, at the Christmas party when and then she, it ends like I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, because it's like crazy, crazy ranting, like crazy, and it sounds like totally sane. Yeah, I'm gonna kill you, and then I'm I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, I just feel like it cannot be standard police protocol to leave a murder, almost murder victim, or something alone in their house, unattended, with a cop standing up front. There was no other women in the house. There was no other girls. There was no. She's just alone, asleep in a bed, and they just all filed out of the. I remember thinking like that doesn't. They're like, well, best of luck to you, dear. Yeah, I was like, no, no conscious person is going to stay here, call her friend, her mom, or put her in another place. Maybe don't sleep in where the murder scene was. Like, I, I felt or like... Or put her in the hospital, like, yes. Laurie Strode. Yes. Yeah. Like, Some, in well, at that point... Yes, and then she can escape into another dimension yeah, later in the second uh-huh. movie. At that point, they weren't aware of any murders occurring in the house yet. Because they didn't know that Clara Mrs. Mack had been killed. They didn't yeah, know Barb was dead. Oh, but they right. saw, didn't they see Barb, though? No, Barb. They, hadn't found, they didn't they find did, Barb though. until the They're end. They were wheeling it out. People out. Will, At the end. Barb and Phil. So they did no, not but search like, the house. Oh, yeah. No, That's... but like I thought they had seen that they were dead. There was the morgue. They're wheeling out. At least that was, Peter. That was after she At got, least Peter was murdered. Um, yeah. They're wheeling somebody out. So yeah. they knew someone was murdered in the house. And the policeman out front was murdered. That was all after. That was after the point that she got the phone call that the calls are coming from inside the house. No, no, Everything no, I, before that was, um, they didn't know that any murders had occurred in exactly. the house. Exactly. No, yeah. I'm saying, um, we're saying that they left her at a murder scene. Oh, like at the very bye-bye. end of the movie. Yeah. But like, at least they knew that Peter had been sure. killed there. Yeah. And they were like, see ya. So like, police protocols, and like, and there may be at least three murders at a building before we put you somewhere else and we can't yeah. let you Yeah, they're like, she's, right. she's tired. We're These not going to move her. We're like, that's we a problem. We can't. Very cold but out. I think they at least knew that Phil and Barb were dead, too. Yeah. Because they had multiple people being wheeled out. Okay, yeah. I so. thought you were talking about earlier. No, but they didn't know. Yeah, you're right. They didn't yeah. know about Barb and they, or excuse me, Claire, and they did yeah. not know about Mrs. Mack in the attic. They had not found her because well, they still hadn't. The yeah, at the end of the movie. There. Yeah, at the end of the movie, the they top, still hadn't the found attic. either of those bodies. Yes. Oh, right, because if they, yeah, if they got the attic, they would have seen the killer. But the I think this just there. goes to show that if you want to murder a lot of people, Canada's the place to go. Right. <laughs> He's up there. And everybody's go, so nice. <laughs> you, you just, you know, they would never. We don't want to go it. in your attic. Like that's your stuff. That's your space. There, you keep it there. He was up there, like going teehee. He was like sitting there among your mucklucks and your hockey sticks. Um, Well, Meredith, did you think it was scary? I mean, I knew it wasn't Peter. That's the red herring, obviously. But um, 
I thought the calls were terrifying, scary. Mm-hmm. Someone in unhinged and nuts was calling them. Possessed. Yeah, and everyone, no one was taking him seriously. They're like, it's just a heavy breather. Like, no, no, it's not. It's someone who's acting out of their minds, batshit crazy. Not like, hey, I want to touch your vagina and your tits. Like, it's someone who's like, hey, you know, talking from all these <laughs> different perspectives. Wouldn't that make it safer weird. that I'm like, it wasn't like personally identifying them as much. It was really just insane ramblings. Yeah. But then followed up with just like, I'm going to kill, gonna kill you. you. But it was like, they don't really know who you are. It doesn't seem like they're informed. So I don't know why I'm being apologist for the police officers. To be like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, it's okay. You're like, blue lives matter. Like, come on. <laughs> Andy. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, blue <laughs> lives matter. And I'm signing out. Goodbye. Disinvited from all future podcasts and also my house. You can never come back here. Yes. But no, that was terrifying. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely crazy. And um, also the part where you see him like whispering like maniacal crazy things and you see his eye like katie mentioned like just whispering things like hey like not even concerned that she was coming like even near him she's like right there and just and yeah scary shit and it it had a lot of feelings of like um like the sacramento vampire kind of feeling where he was like insane yeah crazy Yeah. yeah and and um and it's like, how do you rationalize somebody like that? Yeah. Like, you yeah. can't. And that's terrifying. Yeah. You can't and protect against something that inexplainable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to me, it didn't feel... I mean, a lot of the parts were cheesy. Some of the dialogue, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so ridiculous. But it seemed also to have so much truth in it. Like, yeah. Ted Bendy going into sorority house and yeah. killing a bunch of women happened. Yeah. And that, like what I mentioned about the Sacramento vampire, like Mm -hmm. going and killing, all that happened after this, Mm -hmm. this was before that. So like, I think as of you are watching this after all of these things have happened in our history with regarding like true crime and people who have lost their shit and attacked and victimized women who weren't regarded in any kind of serious way Mm -hmm. also, um, is really scary. And also I think maybe felt a little bit out of the realm of possibilities, maybe back at the time. I don't really know, but uh, scary, definitely. And uh, I thought it was really compelling and an insane holiday movie. It's, yeah, it's yeah. called Black oh, Christmas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Take the family. The kids <laughs> right? will love it. It's crazy. <laughs> and um, I would recommend it to anyone who's like, I want to watch an insane, scary holiday movie. I'd be yeah. like, I have the, just the thing for yeah. you. It's a nice <laughs> the wild classic. ride. Yeah. yeah. I was like, and I was like, it was nice seeing the different actors. I thought the, uh, what was a really cool part, his first person, like, like when it cuts to this killer in the attic, mm-hmm. crawling up, you hear his breath close and mm-hmm. you hear and you see his shaky cam yeah. going up the ladder and he seems excited thrashing. he's yeah. like yeah. excited yeah. he's happy to be there yeah he seems stoked <laughs> but like when he's in the attic and just thrashing and again like incoherent he's sort of angry frustrated something yeah and like i thought i love that idea i feel like i don't know from a film perspective of like that was the first time people really did that but the idea of having a really cool first person mm-hmm. perspective with no narrative we don't know who this is we just get to see what he's mm-hmm. seeing for mm-hmm. a few seconds and then we're cut back to normal people yeah. but those scenes felt like really wild like oh and you kind of don't want to look at what he's seeing like you don't yeah. like i don't please don't look at what you're looking at mm-hmm. well, yeah. it is it is kind of um widely considered to be the first time that they used that that killer's pov mm. um even though technically evidently there was a movie in 1960 called peeping tom oh. that used oh, it peeping first tom? Um, I don't know that. With a computer but when you, when you yeah, mentioned so. uh, and the- 
the the breathing because the way that they executed that is that almost all of the content of this film that is from the killer Billy's point of view is actually a cameraman, a particular cameraman, because oh. he was the one doing it and he had it strapped to his shoulder. Is he credited? Like Bill, the cameraman? I don't know. Kudos I think so. I think he is. But that's why you would have heard his breathing yeah. and all of that because it was like, you know, they didn't have the, the fancy whatever devices to, to execute that angle. No and GoPros? they just really yeah. like, like took probably like an ace bandage or something like <laughs> strap that shit to no, his but shoulders. It works because it totally, exit the film feels different in those moments yeah. where you kind of are unsettled because that character is wild. He's thrashing. He's screaming and again none of the things he say you couldn't listen to it again like let's watch it two times and figure out what's going on with him like it's It's completely incoherent yeah there's no reason to be found yeah it's terrifying yeah Yeah. you you hear about a baby and agnes and billy (laughs) those are the three kind of themes but Mm -hmm. you couldn't paint a story with it other than going something bad probably happened to a baby at some point this guy's crazy he's a little crazy he's a crazy person but that is like a big influence that it had on film was that first person killer perspective Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. um i know you mentioned before was like brought back in Halloween it's also present in the Friday the 13th movies with Jason like the early Friday the 13th with Jason Um, but this was this kind of I mean you could say it's not technically the first but it seems like it might have been the one that set the stage for it yes yeah yeah Um, I do have like some a a few little um, tidbits of trivia that I thought were kind of fun but um, the first thing is like I know you had uh, Andy had mentioned like uh, the babysitter, urban urban legend, yeah, and how uh, this script went through many evolutions, and it was originally called the babysitter. Oh, it was. okay, wow. yeah. So then, then which they, is stupid because there's, no, there's baby. no babies. There's no babysitter. No. But then they changed the script and made it more like college yeah. and sorry. Sexy co-eds. Sexy co-eds. <laughs> They're like, Thank you, Hollywood producers. I know what this needs. <laughs> and then so it went through another like a few changes, like being set in a sorority house. Like cha- then they said it's going to be like um. Just, it went through many evolutions, but it still had that little bit of... Uh, it's coming from inside the house, kind of. Yeah. That little yeah. element still. The call's coming from inside the house. So then yeah. Olivia Hussey, who we know, if you were in um, an elder millennial or Gen Xer, you had to watch this. Oh, Audra. <laughs> you had to watch um, like uh, Romeo and Juliet and see uh, Olivia Hussey as Juliet. She's also Audra in the and original Audra. It. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yes. that. Yeah. Oh. Yes. And we love her. So then she became, took this role because a psychic was like, you need to be in this movie. And she's like, sure. Whatever Sounds you say, great. boss. <laughs> I know. To be clear, the psychic also gave her other advice, which was she was destined to be in a relationship with Paul McCartney. Which I don't think that that ever panned. Yeah, evidently that that kind of alienated her from Margot Kidder a little bit because Margot Kidder could not handle how much Olivia Hussey was talking about Paul McCartney on set. <laughs> who my wife, who loves classic rock, was like, he was very happily married at the time, and I think in Ireland, I was like, how are you going to do that by making a movie in Canada if you're never going to cross? Paths? It doesn't mean she was like 22 years yes. old. Like reason was not coming She's into this at girl. all. She's good. She can make it work. She's got mm-hmm, some magic. Crazy. Maybe. Yeah. What a weirdo. Also, um, <laughs> Betty Davis was asked to play the house mother, but she said no Decline. in the end. Um, and then an actor, he's uh, Edmund O'Brien. He he's won he won like Academy Awards. He was like really big in film, but and he was going to play the um, police chief guy, the detective. But he was showing um, he was showing signs of Alzheimer's. Oh, mm-hmm. so they fired him. Yeah. <laughs> As one does. There's no this union. was pre-ADA. Yeah, no union protections. <laughs> I think what happened was they, they 
people who wrote who were like doing the movie, they're like, we were really worried because he was like showing signs of of have this disease, and we had a lot of like late nights in the snow kind yeah, of couldn't handle part. some sundowning shit like we're worried about him getting yeah. actually really seriously hurt so then he got fired yeah but um that was like probably for the best <laughs> and i think i read gilda radner right she, she was, was supposed mm-hmm. to be in it too but i then can't remember who not was, um, probably phil phil yes yeah, she's supposed to be Glass, phil yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. classes, yeah. and then she ended up being in snl snl yeah she it would have been a waste of her that's not like a yeah channel. i mean they didn't need comedy in that yeah, that character no i don't think so and then the creepy phone call voices the voice actor was Record, he did all the voices upside down. He was hanging yeah. upside down and to like compress his, his vocal cords, which is wild. I was like, oh, it worked. That worked. Yeah. Totally worked. That is messed up and crazy. Yeah. So, um, and then let's see. Oh, there's backstory for the killer, which is you see more in the sequel. Like yeah. the, the aughts, early aughts mm-hmm. of um, when they redid this movie or redid it was a sequel. It w- both of them are sequels. Okay, so the sequel. Yeah. So they had that. Uh, and they didn't want, they wanted it pretty like vague and not super obvious what, why, what his motives were, like mm-hmm. why he was there killing women in, in the sorority house. Just like weird rantings, I yeah. think. Are we well, going to spoil like, it here or keep it for a future episode? No, <laughs> we're going to spoil the shit out of okay. it. That's the thing, like, that's what, you know, Meredith loves is the what's left up to our imagination. Yeah. And yeah. not explicitly spelled out for the viewer. Yeah. That that's what makes it scarier. But somebody did that's not like, like that aspect of that movie. I know. He always was like, I don't like ambiguity. I'm like, well, maybe you're just not creative enough mentally. <laughs> I'm not saying you're dumb, but... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, um, oh, also, this also helped, this Black Christmas helped inspire Halloween. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clark, who... Um, made the movie writer director and then also he collaborated with John Carpenter later they're working on a project and um the but their project wasn't released but they still like got to know each other and they're like chit-chatting and and um what would be kind of interesting and Carpenter was like I really loved Black Christmas I thought it was great would you ever go back to that and Clark was like no you know I I don't really know if I would go back to it or if there's a sequel or companion film that could ever happen and um he wasn't really being interested in going back to that uh, territory, but um, Carpenter did, or, but he did offer Carpenter an idea of where it could be. Uh So he said, it'll be, it would be, you know, the killer would be captured. He'd be put in an institution and the movie would begin the the night he escapes and goes back to the town and they don't know it yet. sounding wildly familiar. Oh yes. Right. It made its way. So then, um, but then, Clark is like, but Carpenter went and ran and made Halloween. Like, yeah. that's just a little tiny idea. So he's like, I'm not claiming to like say that I inspired. Could, yeah, yeah, right. But you know, it's a fun idea. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, that is pretty cool. Like, and now we have Michael Myers because of like this Black Christmas movie, which is yeah. so random, but totally. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I have um, a little bit of trivia as well. Um, I When I was watching, like I said, I was kind of bore, bored toward the beginning. Um, but immediately and continually through watching this movie, I kept seeing elements that reminded me of other films. But then I would like keep consistently realizing that all the films it re- quote unquote reminded me of came after it. Yeah. And so yeah. then realizing like, oh, Final so no, Bowl. like this, this isn't reminding me of that. Like that got it from this yep really mm-hmm. um 
And, uh, you know, you mentioned Ted Bundy, like there are, um, you know, kind of correlations and inspirations, like the inspiration for this film, in addition to the babysitter and the man upstairs, urban legend, there was a set of Montreal murders by a man named Wayne Bowden, who was called the vampire rapist. Um, his killings were like kind of the real nuts and bolts inspiration for it. But then they also drew from um, Paul Michael Stephanie, who is the weepy voice killer that would like oh. call the cops and, and you know, Be weird. Yeah, like that crazy communication that he used to do. Mm-hmm. So there was a couple of different um, like real life elements that they drew into it. Um, it, so this movie was released in 74, which is when Ted Bundy's crimes began. So obviously his crimes didn't inspire this movie because the movie was made really before he began. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like a really bizarre coincidence that Olivia Hussey has long, dark hair parted down the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, my God. But then um, in addition to that, the... Um, you know, years later, when this movie was set for its network premiere on television in 1978, they actually canceled it because um, of Ted Bundy's attacks in Florida yeah. on the sorority house. Mm-hmm. So they were like, uh, you know, yanking this their collars like, oh, we're not, not going to show this. But we might make a lot of money. It's a hard call. <laughs> okay, but it's the 70s and we actually still care about the well-being of people. Maybe a l- just a little bit. We'll stop yes. caring in the 80s, but for now, yeah. we're still good people. <laughs> um, it's, it's considered one of the first slasher movies we talked about this a little bit with texas chainsaw Mm -hmm. this was the same year as texas chainsaw massacre um and also psycho but like we said about psycho that it's like kind of some people consider it a psychological thriller as opposed to a slasher and the director bob clark the director of um, black christmas also considered this a psychological thriller so he didn't really think of it as a slasher especially because they made the choice to tone down the um the visuals and the the graphic nature of the killings that took place during the movie. You really don't see a lot of um, graphic killing or gore or or anything like that. It's really focuses on the suspense. And that was a choice that was made like in in production, like it could have gone either way. And they decided um, to go with the, the less violent angle of it. Um, and then one of the other elements of it that, um, you know, they kind of debated which direction that they would go in was the ending. Um, and the fact that the ending is ambiguous is kind of like this legendary um, characteristic of this movie and, you know, maybe like a basis for its cult status or whatever, mm-hmm. because the writers originally wrote two separate endings, one where Jess dies and then one where Jess lives. And then in the end, they didn't film either of them. They just did what they did, which was like, she's alive for now, but the killer's still in the house and the phone's ringing, credits roll. Right, yeah. And they got a lot of shit for it, like it not being determined, that it being ambiguous um, and left open uh, for the future or for the viewer or whatever, you know, exactly what Victor hates. Yep. <laughs> I always saw that as, isn't that like it's like an American thing? Like American movies need to be neat and tidy at the end. Anything yeah. outside of America, audiences will accept like, oh, let's keep it open-ended and it's okay. We'll think about it. Yeah, we're Americans allowed to be free going, thinkers. Nope, either you're dead, you're alive, it was good, it was bad, but don't leave me guessing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to think too much. I'm <laughs> American. Think. I need to go uh, I'm not here <laughs> Um, a couple of other cool elements. They named the, they set it in a town called Bedford as an homage to Bedford Falls and It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. Oh. oh, okay. Um, they did briefly change the title to Silent Night, Evil Night. 
mm-hmm. um, because Gosh. they were afraid that Black Christmas would lead viewers to think it was a black exploitation movie. Oh, that's right. At the same time, oh. right there with Blackula. Yeah, oh, um, but Silent Night, Evil Night, like did not resonate. Like it, the the test audiences and the releases like did not work at all, and so they switched it back to Black Christmas, and it did a lot better after that. They could have used Violent Night, which is now coming out yeah, this year. That would have been a better night. title. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like now we have there's Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, and I feel like there's there's another another Christmas themed horror movie that's in that in that same purview, but it's uh, something different. Um, and then the other thing that I did really like, uh, this is totally random, was so Claire, the first victim um, who gets killed by the dry cleaning bag. Yeah. Uh, her reaction was 100% genuine because they didn't tell her how he was going to attack her. Oh. Like him coming at her with the plastic bag and wrapping it around her head. She didn't know that was coming. Wow. Oh. But what yeah. also paid off mm-hmm. is that uh, she actually said... She had, uh, she was a deep sea, not a deep sea diver, but she a was diver. a swimmer. Yeah. She was a swimmer and used to holding her breath. Mm-hmm. So the scenes of her with the plastic over her mouth, she says, it was not a problem for me because I can hold my breath hold for like breath minutes for a at a time, which I feel like is why there is actually a lot of cuts into the movie to her, even kind of to the point that I'm like, I get it. She's still there. She's just still in the, the rocket chair. Of her <laughs> on the rocket chair. And here's the she thing. She can hold her breath for so long. So <laughs> I got this movie. It actually came with some extra footage of the trailer that would air, um, you know, in the theaters before it came out. Mm-hmm. And the trailer just shows the house and it's like a slow pan in. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing with the trailer is it cuts to almost every murder scene in the movie. So it shows her in the rocking chair with the plastic on. Then it cuts away and it's quiet again. And then it cuts again to the hook. Oh my it really God. like telegraphs every kill. Yeah. And Spoiler. Of that, Spoiler. The actual Spoiler. movie poster is Claire in the rocking chair. With the bag. With over. the bag over her head. Great shot. But like the movie poster is the first kill. So you kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. She's like, mm, why would you? Why odd would choice. You I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't have done it, but. Yeah, yeah. But you're not Canadian. Yeah, I'm not Canadian. Maybe Canadians love that. Yeah, it'd be like Scream, being like, "Look how dead Drew Barrymore is," and you're like, "What? She's super dead. Look at her hanging from that tree. She's so dead. Oh no!" Like, wow. Okay, interesting. Canadians are weird. I mean, we love Canadians here on the podcast. We are Canadian listeners. We are happy you're here. Whatever. We have like four. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we don't want to lose them. They're the nicest people. And I will say, I did my wife when we watched it together. uh, The constant calling of Billy, Billy, Billy. We love Jim Carrey and we love uh, uh, Ace Ventura. Yeah, she was convinced. So she's like, when Ace Ventura says, "Oh, "Oh, Billy," Billy," it's got to be from this movie. And I said, you know what? That sounds. I would believe that. He's Canadian. Wayne Boulder Dash, he's Canadian. <laughs> it's a Canadian movie. Billy, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I did Google it after the movie because I'm like, I got to know. And it is not from this movie. It's from another movie called Midnight Express about a guy who goes to a Turkish prison, which is a scary movie, but in a much more depressing way. It won't be covered on this podcast. <laughs> it will not, yeah. Good we'll to know. Good to know. No Ace Ventura connections. Sorry. Between... <laughs> sorry, everybody. I know we all felt it coming. I know you all had your hopes up. It would have been an exciting thing to <laughs> go here. No, no. Andy's here to dash your hopes of <laughs> any Ace Ventura connections. <laughs> Um, and I won't I won't take up too much of your time on the two garbage pieces that are the um, remakes of this movie. Um, and I said earlier that they were both sequels. They're they're really not. I guess the the first one was a sequel. The second one was a remake. Um, in two thousand and six, uh, they made a movie that was a sequel, 
um, I, I noted the Rotten Tomato scores for all of this. So the original got a 71%, which is nice. nothing We're to sneeze at. Yeah, not bad. Um, the remake from 2006 got a 14. Oh, Impressively yes. yeah. bad. It was, it was a real um, who's who of early 2000s actresses. Michelle Trachtenberg, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Lacey Chabert. Um, Oliver Hudson was in it. Um, and then the main character, Katie Cassidy, um, who was, she did the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, remake. Um she was like the the new uh, final girl for this one, and we had the return of Andrea Martin as Phil, which is mm-hmm. why I wasn't sure if she was the one that was supposed to die at the end of the original, um, because Andrea Martin she's actually Aunt Vula in Big Fat Greek Wedding. Like yeah, she's, she's super recognizable face. Does yeah. the cast her as a different character? Maybe no, no she's she is character. herself, and okay. she has come back to be the new house mother. And oh, she's Phil, okay. and she's like, and she's this Phil. Is, fine. is she stashing alcohol everywhere still? Did no, no, no. Because it, it was only Mac that w- that was uh, stashing <laughs> oh, alcohol. So sorry, Phil Mac. has more oh, gee, composure Mac? than that. Um, but she's back, and and she's awesome. But and they include a lot of nods to the original. There's the attic element, the rocking chair. There's a bag over the head death. There's the unicorn, the glass unicorn. The bar gets stabbed in is uh, turtle in there. Um, piano smashing (laughs) Um, and then they bring in this whole backstory of Billy which evidently was originally actually developed by director Bob Clark of the original they didn't include it in the first movie but this was his idea of what was Billy's backstory um, about being an abused child locked in the attic by his parents uh, killed his parents X, Y, and Z and this one um, and, and that was the Agnes was like he had a younger sister a younger half sister mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know so that that all kind of did come from Bob Clark's ideas for the film but then they added this element where he had a liver disease that caused him to be basically like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Secret of the Ooze Green the mm-hmm. whole time, um, which I didn't think was necessary. Uh, it kind of detracted from the story overall. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it was kind of like they were using material from the original, but not in a good way. Um, there was a real eyeball fixation in it because in their backstory about him and his sister, he the damage that he did to her sister destroyed her eye. And so then he's like... Oh ripping the girl's eyeballs out and he's eating eyeballs and she's pulling eyeballs out and it's just it was it was terrible it was a shit show Mm. I wouldn't stuff is pretty triggering for people I mean if if I was making a horror movie I do eyeball stuff yeah everybody has a thing with yeah well there was like the eyeball thing in um in barbarian but I feel like that was better done this was just stupid I think all of us were ready for that Ready for eyeball shit? The eyeballs. All right, bring it on. Bring it on. We're like, yep, fine with me. Yeah. But like this one, I think I saw that. that It's so bad. It was really, really. And I remember being, I think I might fall asleep. And I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. (laughs) He's sleeping. No. I feel like they thought that they were going to be able to ride on the laurels of the cast they put together and they didn't need to do anything else well. They didn't even care. And so they didn't do anything else well. Oh, yuck. (laughs) Ew, yuck. Yeah. Um, and then in 2019, um, so this one, the only reason I watched it is because I accidentally rented this thinking it was the 2006 version. And then I was like, shit, I rented the wrong one. But then I was like, oh, Carrie Elways is in it. I'll watch it anyway. I didn't even know this existed either. Yeah. yeah. So um, this one got a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, um, and so, better. as I said, Carrie Elways has a, a pretty significant role. The main well, character it was an actress yeah. named, unfortunately, Imogen Poots. Imogen uh, of oh, the band, Imogen Heap, yeah. She's, she's a musician. She's in 28 day, weeks later. Yes, yeah. She's very 
She was really good, though. No, yeah, and yeah. she just... Name. She's really pretty. Very, very unfortunate pretty. name. Very pretty. Yeah. So she is our final girl, really, kind of in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I wrote in my notes, I said, first kill is with an icicle. Enough said. Hey. Um, very Canadian. Ouchie. Does it take place in Canada? No, no, no. Oh, it's, it's a college campus one in, in the United States. Um, the next assault it incorporated a bow and arrow. Like, the, oh. the assailant had a bow and arrow. So it was, like, off the rails to begin with. Okay. Um they there they took the sorority girls element they took the christmas element but that was basically it there was like there was no real craft or character or anything like that um from the original uh they it was like trying to be really woke with a, a lot of political elements i made a list um the the frat rape culture was a big element of it toxic masculinity this slave owning college founder issue um, this all white lit syllabus and trying to get a professor, you know, banned for his, you know, his curriculum or whatever. So it was it was really trying to grab at any straw of a um, kind of a trigger social commentary issue right now mm-hmm. um, and pull it all in. But basically, in the end, what it was, was that when they moved the founder statue out of its prominent position, um, the slave-owning fo- founder statue, they moved it into the frat house where he was a member when he attended, right? So then it started oozing black gunk and exerting the power to control boys' minds. And the whole idea was for boys reclaiming male dominance over women. So there's a supernatural element here. There was a supernatural. Statue. It was possessing I'm these boys. Mad. But it was topical because in 2019 when it came out, I mean, we were there was the statue controversy in the South of like all these well, statues it, being taken down. So yeah, we no, 20. We don't want to talk about what was going on in the United States Let's in 2019. Yeah. Um, but I'm just like, ooh. Basically, it was all of these. It, it's that like cis white male, like, why are we the bad guy? Why don't we have any rights? Why are we always the one that's wrong? I'm a good guy, too. Exactly. All and lives so matter. we're going to oh we're going to express that to the world by murdering all the girls that wrong us. Nice. As one and, does. And, As, one, As does. one does. But spoiler alert, they end up burning down the frat house and Carrie always dies in a ball of fire. Oh. So Does the call ever come from inside the house? I feel like yes. the cell phones would be like, the call's coming from the same cell tower. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't yeah, there was they did like, work we have that a landline? in where That's what I did love. In in two thousand and six there was a point where they were like, Hey, Star sixty nine and they're like, That'll just call her cell phone back. <laughs> <laughs> um and in this one they did like show that it were like, It's coming it's coming from so and so's cell phone and she's not supposed to be here or whatever. Like they oh did try God. and continue cell phone thing they, they did try to uh, continue the legacy of the phone element even yeah. in light of how phones have changed um but it was and it was better than the 2006 one in that at least it like it, it, there was some creativity involved the bar was not set very high no <laughs> no. Mm. no that makes me think so victor and i need to do our own horror movie we're like oh the Internet post is coming from the same IP that you're <laughs> posting from in your house. And let me explain how IPs work to everyone. <laughs> and everyone's like, turn this off. Don't need to know this. <laughs> ping him on your local network. Spooky music, spooky music. Oh, <laughs> no reply. There's a ping response. There's only eight milliseconds uh, on that ping. I 
is it? You're making yeah, you me lost think of, me. Um, yes, we're lost. I'm you're sorry. making me think of Scream when I showed it to my child. Where and I'm, you had to explain to her why it was weird that he had a phone. Yes. yes. Like the phone fell out of his pocket. And yeah. you're like, at, back in those days, you're like, oh, they carried all this meaning. And my child was like, so? And I'm like, oh. Back in olden times. Well, I love <laughs> the cinematic. Not everybody had a phone holding, in their pocket. They hold the phone in their hands, and they've got like a super long phone cord, yeah. and they're like, like, like negotiating around their house with the long cord, like a little like yeah. little tail there. I'm like, oh, yeah. it looked really cool on camera. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. The kids look at that and like, what, the, what is she doing? They're with like, that why are they doing cord? that? Why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> yes, it seems kind of yeah. Why don't you just take that cord off and yeah. use it? Off. I don't. Yeah. What are you trying to do? I'm sure you have a full charge. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is, I mean, oh, you also do your, have to do your parent corner. Mm. Yeah, I have gotten a little remiss in my parent corners. Um, and I think, I think that it's because, um, you know, my daughter, who was always the, the bar that I was measuring scary movies by, she is like 13 and a half now. And so she's like, you know, basically a high schooler or whatever, almost. And it feels like a less dicey age to be determining whether or not you should show a scary movie to a kid. Yeah. Whereas back when we started, when she was like 10, 11, and it was like, okay, it was a real question of what can you show them and at what age and, and all of that. Well, how about this? I'm going to, I'm starting You're to You're going to take over things. my mantle? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm starting to start showing my own child, who's 12, mm-hmm. um, these movies. And she's like slightly younger um, not as mature as, as Grace, like hadn't seen m- many scary things. So it's good to have that like idea of what I should or shouldn't show her. Or, yeah. Cause I have a, uh, nothing scary ever to me. So I have a hard time. Yeah. Um, We're just numb to it. You're like, I'm what, numb what to do, it. What do normal humans find scary? <laughs> I know, right. I'm like an alien. Like what do, what's scary? I don't know. Well, I think it'd be fun for her, right? Cause you have that supernatural <laughs> sense of knowing how movies are going to end. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I know who the killer is. You can yes. see if that gene got through. And oh, that watches. would be interesting. Cause I guarantee you at least one movie, she can be like, he's the killer. And you'd be yeah. like, oh, <gasps> you got it. Good job. I would show Grace any one of these, and it's like all of them had graphic language, yeah. um, sexual elements, mm-hmm. like not sex scenes, as it were, and like not really nudity, mm-hmm. but there is nothing in it that I wouldn't show her at this point in time. But yeah. it's hard to cast back to like when, you know, if we're talking to our viewers still that do still have younger kids and are trying to groom them into <laughs> horror movie to, fandom. To be scared. Not to use the word groom. Um, <laughs> that uh, it's it's hard to, you know, kind of... I could just say that, you know, they don't they don't have nudity. They don't have mm-hmm. actual graphic sex scenes. Um, yeah. But... Well, I mean, at least, like, um, get them more into things that maybe their parents enjoy. Like me, for example. Like, I'm like, oh, I want to get my child... She's showing interest in this. Like, mm-hmm. how do I like ease her into it without making her question everything in her life? Yeah. Like, be yeah. terrified. Maybe. Well, and it all depends on like what what you're most concerned about. Like, are you concerned about sexual elements? Are you concerned about blood and gore? Are you mm-hmm. concerned about violence? Um, you know, because depending on those criteria, it you know it would determine whether or not any of these movies would be something you'd want to show to your kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the original. Um, I think would probably be a good way to go um, at the beginning, just because while it does have some, actually some legit coarser language than mm-hmm. any of the other ones. Yeah, the um, obscene phone calls for sure. Um, it's it's really like the, I like the idea of tr- 
training horror movie fans to recognize the value of suspense mm. um, and and building a story over the course of a movie as opposed to just you know the opening scene and the immediate like jump scares and the first Drew Barrymore hanging from the tree in the first ten minutes with her innards out, you mm-hmm. know like. Um, it's kind of like an instant gratification thing. Yeah. yeah. Like building the story and the, yeah. like the slow burn, how to appreciate it. And well, you mentioned like slasher versus suspense. Like this mm-hmm. isn't a slasher because it cuts away at the point. A slasher like... like It's all about you showing the knife drag across yes, his throat and the blood about, coming like, out. Show it all. And there's special yeah. effects. You get to see the blood and the gore and the viscera and all that stuff. But I'm like, this one cuts away... But it's still scary because you're you know what happens mm-hmm. and you can in- intimate what happens and it's still like that the plastic over the mouth just the image itself yeah having that happen you don't need to show him actually holding it and doing the whole thing mm-hmm. I feel like that is the nice difference and I think mm-hmm. you could show this to a kid in a way that you can go it's not gratuitous you know what happens it's still terrifying mm-hmm. but it's not over the top it's not holding a camera on something and forcing you to watch it and going, oh, this is horrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It gives yeah. you a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and the, and the only potential risk there is because the the quote-unquote scary movie that I started my kids on, and I'll end with this, is that... Human um, Centipede. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, naturally. Yeah. Um, no, it was The Birds. Oh, good. Huh? Um, and it's like, it's downright comical. It's like literally Tippi Hedren's just screaming while they fling, like, taxidermied seagulls at her. <laughs> She's um, like, ah! But now I have a 13-year-old daughter who really doesn't like birds. Oh. Really you is uncomfortable around her. birds. Is not a fan of birds. Well, you only have yourself to blame, Kate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I should have started with human centipede because, yeah. you know, being afraid of centipedes is totally reasonable. <laughs> Maybe it's Big Bird. Did Big Bird do something? Big Bird, no, what did you do? No, we, they no. They weren't a Sesame Street. No. We They were never into it. It was, it was I think it, it was, was the birds. birds. Wow. Yeah. The birds. That says a lot for the birds. That's That's an old movie and... I'm kind of shocked how that would... I mean, they were pretty little. I I think they were, like, maybe six and eight when I showed them that. My children would be terrified if I showed them the birds. Well, I will say, my kids really get triggered. It's the music. Almost the uh, the content isn't as important. If the music is low and scary Mm -hmm. and bassy and suspenseful, like, that alone just triggers my kid. It doesn't matter what's being shown on the screen. As long as the camera's moving slowly and there's ominous music... They're like, Daddy, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really easy to manipulate. You're like, oh, then the means it's working. Yes. <laughs> well, it's like one of the reasons I love uh, the first opening act, I would say, is, of, of Stranger, Stranger Calls. One of Stranger Calls is the music. Yeah. Because it has that Dolby, you know, when you go into a theater, okay, not no, Dolby, it's THX, something like that. It's like, you know, that like that noise. And you in the movie, she's like looking out and you see how dark and how alone she is as a babysitter and she's getting these weird like why haven't you checked the children and Mm -hmm. you're like oh my gosh this is terrifying and it's just like silence yeah and weird music and you're like i'm my stomach is in my throat like this is terrifying and my children would probably die if i made them watch that like 15 minute segment sure where nothing happens really and bring bring that like back to Black Christmas and that you know like babysitter element is that it's attacking you where you f- are supposed to feel most safe, you know mm-hmm. like you're you're in your home the door is closed the door is locked you're supposed to be safe mm-hmm. and it's like no just kidding you're not safe he's in the house with you he's already with you yeah he's yeah. already there he's been there the you whole time you let your guard yeah. down and you're enjoying your very brandy 
you know, your brand, your toilet brandy, and then that's right. And there's a killer in there. Yeah. And it's like, and literally, he's been there the whole like. That's I'll almost even say it's not just like he just showed up. It's like he's been here this whole time. He could have attacked you at any moment. It's like, very insidious. It's, yeah, it's terrifying. It's messed yeah. up. So, I think this is fun. I love this movie. Not that I'm like want to see the scariest movie you'll ever see it's just i think it's fun it's not your number one it's still this no, is like a historical movie where like, all you short should of understand Rosemary cinematic TV. history horror like film buffs be like mm-hmm. this is the granddaddy of a bunch of films and so many so mm-hmm. many influence mm-hmm. the velvet underground oh okay i won't say it. <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> of horror yeah. Movies. it was influential people it, saw it did it, yeah mm-hmm. it, it brought yeah. a lot of stuff into into the works for other movies that came 100%. after it percent thank yeah. you canada so. uh, yeah. Also, the director yes. went on to give us Baby Geniuses. Oh, Baby no. Geniuses 2. Oh, no. <laughs> but, however, he sal- his salvation was he did bring A Christmas Story. That Just was so his weird. most important and, and well-known film. That that, that was his, his contribution. Black Christmas and A Christmas Story. So, yeah, he yeah. started with Black both, Christmas both ends and of the ended spectrum. with A Christmas Story. One to the daytime, one to the nighttime. That's yeah. right. <laughs> one with we... very little creepy phone calls. Covering yeah. both ends of your holiday. That's I right. Know. <laughs> Um, so I think this is a great discussion. We'll yeah. end it on this. But um, next season, we're going to begin with Hereditary. We're going to kick off 2023. <sighs> so Hereditary. With one of the scariest movies we've seen in yes. a long time. Terrifying. Yes. I did so many deep Reddit deep dives after oh, watching yeah. this movie. Oh, watch it. Watch I'm it like, multiple times. If you haven't this. seen it, what are you doing with yourself? Yes. It's insane. Tony Collette is a powerhouse. In it's this. incredible. And Gabriel Byrne. It's it's fantastic. So watch it, and we're going to talk about it, I guess. Next the, year. <laughs> next year. <laughs> Have a, a good holiday. Don't murder your friends. Okay? So, okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.